Peace is brought to light head the crown luscious supreme grand apperception of our new comedy community and I just did an amazing interview with Hollywood Unlocked Uncensored and it was phenomenal we discussed variant things of many forms real estate family economics politics we discussed gentrification we spoke on so many different things that I'm sure that it'll be an unprecedented type of event when you watch it. I'm bringing something to the table to help diversify the information and the energy that already exists that's powerful. Let's get it. What up, everybody? This is Jason Lee, and this is Hollywood Unlocked Uncensored. And I'm Melissa Ford, a.k.a. The Curve Queen. Yo, what's up? It's your boy Giovanni. Hold up. And we're back. Part two with Brother Polite. We unfortunately had to end early in our last show, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just getting to the good part because one of your wives was here at the time. Yeah. Uh, and you have four wives or one? Or three? Four wives. You have four wives. Okay. So we were saying at the last show that uh, our sponsor partner, Floyd Mayweather, is somebody who can afford to have all that going on. <laughs> Do you suggest... That people adopt these principles if they're going through hard times. Uh, yeah, I do suggest it, but it's predicated upon being with the responsible male mm-hmm. and responsible sisters. Mm-hmm. But being that the man plays a integral role in that union, you want to make sure that he has certain prerequisite steps in mind before he employs the strategy. So in this show, Floyd had said that uh, that he had he had drawn a comparison to him and. What's the guy's name with the Playboy Mansion? Uh, Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Hugh yeah. Hefner, and that it's accepted in Hugh Hefner's life, but not in his. So That's I kind I kind of got like the parallel was weighed against the test of racism. What do you think? I think he's absolutely right. Um, there's low expectations for black men overall in America, based on media depictions of us, and then there's even lower expectations for black women who are generalized probably the most amongst all species on planet Earth, right? At least in America for the most part. So the combination of the two would demand that people would not be able to conceive how we would be able to accomplish a successful union. I mean, we're leading in broken family households. We're leading in poverty, uh, stricken environments, destitute areas, dilapidated schools. So, of course, people will be susceptible to the stereotypes that accompany black people when it comes to family structure. And so, do you think it's do you think it's racism? Do you what do you do, how what do you think is driving it? Is it just that um I don't want to say mainstream because I feel mm-hmm. like we are mainstream. Yeah. I feel like we are the stream that makes everybody follow, right? That's a fact. <laughs> so, what do you do you think it's driven by racism though or just wanting to suppress the black family? Uh, definitely. I, I believe it's driven by racism. And also Ignorance in general that every race is playing a part of, you know, people don't just wake up and expect us to fail. Mm. It's, from, it's from the stigma of us failing, but not addressing the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. which is what has transpired throughout the course of history with us living in our diaspora here in America. You know, we get pushed back 400 plus years in 60 years. It's not enough time for us to fully recover, but we don't address that part. Mm. So on our show, we had interviewed Arian Andrews. She had been in the news because she had uh, come out of a restaurant in Hollywood and she had said to TMZ, they said something about her dating men. And she said she only dates white men. She's a darker skinned African-American woman. Mm -hmm. So she only dates white. She prefers white men. Um, She came on our show and said that she likes all men or she's but she's but she chooses white men. And I said that that goes back to the days of slavery. (laughs) I caught all kinds of heat. And I was just like, well, wait, wait a minute. 
slave masters enslaved our families and slept with our women. And if you think we're that far away from those days where there was a there was this thing of wanting a black woman for whatever reason that you're crazy. So I caught a lot of heat from that. What do you think? Uh, I absolutely agree. And just like how it's really a transgenerational behavior is embedded into our psychology via DNA. So you have something in science called epigenetics, which proves that information gets dumped into our DNA from our mm-hmm. predecessors. So a lot of the way we respond to the world isn't initiated based on our experience right now. It's based on previous experiences, a culmination of the same. So when we look at our parents, we say we may have adopted some of their personalities. Mm. Separate from the phenotype, we're talking genotype here. You say, man, you got your mother's attitude. You got your father's temperament. We say this all the time. So if the slave master was raping our women, not for one year, not for 10, not for 100, not for 200, but for 400 plus, wouldn't we adopt our father's personality? Wouldn't we adopt a hatred for ourselves if the father hated black people? You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I get my mother's and my father's personality, and my father was a slave master, not for one generation, but for 400, a perpetual rape, eventually you'll have black women that look in the mirror, and they'll see something they need to change that may give them inclinations to look like other than themselves and kind. Okay, so hold on just one second. So there's another person that's been in the news a lot recently, and that's Kodak Black. Yes. And he has been, you know, uh, he's he's expressed that black women are just not his thing, you know, mm-hmm. and they had to spec- dark skin. No, no. Women. And then I was going to say he specified that dark skinned women were not his thing, but, you know, he preferred like light or other or whatever the case was. Everyone was on him and, cons- and saying, but that's a preference. Whereas a woman, a black woman dating outside of her race, that's self-hatred. Like Rihanna's catching all the flack in the world because she's dating this Saudi billionaire, you know, and she's well, like self-hating black They were black hating, on him, hating on Rihanna yesterday because it was a non-black man, but Until today they found out he's, he's a billionaire. billionaire. He's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Well, it just seems like there's, there's a double standard when it comes to men and women. When it comes to mm-hmm. men, it's a preference. It's your choice. It's like, you know, what I call it, reverse plantation mentality. I, I do. Um, but... It's, you know, all, it's always preference, in my yeah. opinion. You know, I prefer... But a, a, a woman is seen as self-hating if she dates outside of a race, especially a dark-skinned woman dating a white man. And I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, me and Jason disagreed on that point. <laughs> I could not... I couldn't see it that way. I say the truth of the matter is nobody really knows mm-hmm. the hidden or underlying themes to other people's reservations. Mm. We just can look at things from a statistical point of view and say... It's very clear something's transpiring. You know, mm-hmm. we can't speak for everybody. Everybody is not going to have the same narrative. Some mm-hmm. people may genuinely just be attracted to other people, you know, but it's my personal belief that it's systemic from uh, oppression and it being forced upon us to not love ourselves and becoming part of the DNA stream of people who hated us, which science proves you do adopt. But, thinking but, but let me tell you the full the personality sen- of previous people. Let me tell you the full sentence of what she said. What she got caught saying was, and this is why I said that. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't date black men. I prefer white men because a little chocolate and then a little vanilla make Makes you babies. babies. Mm-hmm. And I said, <laughs> so, that you, I so I said, you said basically two black people can't make pretty babies. Because you made mm-hmm. a distinction that the two races mixed mm-hmm. make pretty babies. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And it, again, this is people's personal opinions, right? 
I believe a lot of these ideas are grafted from slavery accounts. And just like you have something called CMP, cellular memory phenomena, mm-hmm. and one out of every three people that receives an organ from someone mm-hmm. adopts the personality or dreams or memories of the previous owner. Mm-hmm. So then again, since an eyeball can make you adopt someone's previous ideas or personalities, what about the sperm? What about the adulterated sperm? What about the imposition of someone planting the seed in a woman I was that a- hates black people? You see, so this uh, this incentive for a black woman to probably want to straighten her hair or for someone to want to bleach their skin or for black men to hate other black men could be coming from their generational slave master father. Mm. I don't believe it's something that just happened overnight. I believe it's yeah. something that happened hundreds of years and now we're trying to shake it and now we have this thing where people don't like themselves, but I don't think it's themselves speaking. I don't think it's the dark-skinned being that we see speaking. Mm-hmm. I believe... They're speaking from a place of their slave master. They just happen to have dark skin, though. Right. Mm. That's what I believe. I was actually just looking at a study the other day. Um, it's somewhat in line with what we're talking about, where it said that every man that a woman has slept with, she has basically adopted a portion of his DNA. This is a fact. And this yeah. is why they wind up looking like brothers and sisters after sleeping with each other for a long period of time because you have what's called vertical evolution and mm-hmm. then you also have what's called horizontal gene transfer. Now explain that, please, because this is new to my Okay, ears. with horizontal gene transfer, mm-hmm. like bird flu, that's bird genes. Mm-hmm. You can take it in. If you even watch people who have dogs in their house, you turn around and say, I don't really want to say it, but they're starting <laughs> to look like their pet, right? Because they start taking in the DNA. All the time, right? It's, it's horizontal gene transfer. You can phenotypically express the person you're sleeping with because you're sharing DNA or fluids, right? And then this also can take place from just cohabiting. You take in DNA still from without sex. So with sex, it's just more uh, exponential. And so what we'll find is that a man and a woman sleeping with each other, no matter if one is dark-skinned, one is light-skinned, one is Asian, one is African-American, they'll start looking like each other after a while. She'll submit to his DNA. She'll take it in, and she'll conform to his construct, and she'll start looking like him, or red will become her favorite color like his. Like, wow. this, this is the magic behind science. And again, it's called epigenetics, so people have a point of reference so they can look, look it up. Sounds, food, and experiences can trigger situations in people to respond like the people they come from. And horizontal DNA can cause you to alter or cause an alteration in your phenotype where you start adopting the character traits of the person that you're cohabiting with or sleeping with. So we wow. had we had Amber Rose on the show in a from and I had a whole discussion which was very controversial around the slut walk that she's created. And her <laughs> explanation was that she's create that she's joined in the movement and using her platform to eliminate the shaming of women for being as sexual as men or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she formed she shaped that in the form of what she believes is feminism. What do you think about the slut walk and the perception that if we just call each other sluts or use the <laughs> word enough that it will go away. I mean, she to, to piggyback off that she actually said, you know, drew a comparison between the N-word and, <laughs> and yeah, and slut. And she was basically like, think about the N word. You know, if you basically the overuse of the word defuses the word is what sh- is, is her mentality. And a lot of people were like, bitch, you tripping. You know, <laughs> it's not the same fucking thing, but, you uh, know. So, so what do you thoughts? Think? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I think it runs concurrent with nigga. I understand exactly what she's saying. It, it, it wouldn't be my approach. Right. Because 
the, the stigma, the connotation of the word slut, it impacts me a very bad way, right? Mm-hmm. But I would believe the older generation feels the same way about nigga, right? Mm. So I love the perspective, and she's right. There's a romanticism that takes place with what a woman should do, what a woman should wear. You know, a man could come out with shirt off, do pull-ups in the street, sweaty, and no one's going to say nothing. But mm-hmm. if the sister shows a little cleavage, she's not even showing her nipple, then everybody's, you know, they have all sorts of reservations about her. So I agree there's a double standard. And the only way you can combat a double standard is through thought provocation. So you might have to use some words and terms just to get people's attention. Or images. And images, mm-hmm. just to get people's attention. So mm-hmm. I, I love what she's doing. And it's something that only a female at times can address mm-hmm. in that capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could be very vocal about defending women's rights. I mean, a lot of times people say, if I'm conscious, how come I allow allow, right? How come I allow my wives to wear form-fitting clothes? You know, and I'm like, I didn't know that had anything to do with the information. I didn't know it compromises the integrity of my mission mm. because I like personally to see a little fishnet stocking here and there and high heels. Yeah, and they don't wear heels all the time. I know the disc slip in your feet and it can hurt your back, but you know, maybe I'm sick. I like to see heels from time to time. I ask them to make the sacrifice for me. You know what I'm saying? Get in there and cook me some shrimp and grits in them heels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, it's, it's all right. It's my preference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think the last show, if I remember, we talked about cuddle time. Which mm-hmm. is, you've coined the phrase cuddle time cuddle on this time. show. Cuddle time. I love cuddle time. CT. So is there <laughs> is there a calendar on the refrigerator where people go and sign up for the <laughs> night that they get to sleep with you? Or how does that, what does that look like? Um, nah, it's, you know, we just, we work it out. I have business with everybody. And then they have their own business as well. So the business is really what saves the day. Because if you have idle time, then it's going to be a lot of sex, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in a polygynous relationship, you can't really hide the fact that you're having sex. Like You don't just disappear in a room and say, we was having a conversation. Right. Because it's not going to happen. Okay. And, you know, and the most disciplined forms of what I do is when relatively everybody's sleeping in the same house. Mm-hmm. And I like it like that. In the mm-hmm. same house or in the same bed? Same house, different rooms. Okay. You know, and the reason why we do that, uh, at least when you start, is so people can get a good look at the discipline of the male. Yeah. You know, because you'll know if I all I have all I want to do is have sex, or you'll know if I'm really focused on the plan that everyone agreed to. Mm-hmm. So I like the attention. I like everyone to see me mm-hmm. and see what I'm about. And that's what every man should challenge himself to do in that particular situation is to tear down the walls that are created mm-hmm. because. The women have seen their mothers abused. They've seen their aunts abused. They've seen their sisters abused. And lastly, they've been abused by men themselves, whether it be through lying or violence, mind games, whatever the case may be. So after they've experienced the abuse uh, in subtle form from other female that's close to them, in addition to themselves, it's very hard to come in as a brother, profess to be a good guy, and not have her look at you in a way like, Mm-hmm. A little bit precautious and spectacle, uh, uh, skeptical about who you really are. So that setting is very good to have several women wake up and go to bed every day in the same house mm-hmm. to see you for what you are. So so to people who are listening to this, just saying like this is an educated black man that has just talked these women into being fools and letting him have his way with them. Because, you know, there's people yeah. that are going to be critics, right? They say they must have low self-esteem. All of that. Yeah. I've seen them. They're very, very good looking what, women. What do you, you, what do you say? To, what do you say to those people? <laughs> go try it for yourself. Uh, I would never just say go try it for yourself. I don't want to contribute to the further bastardization of our children in the community. We're already missing enough fathers as it is. Mm-hmm. So very oftentimes, I don't even speak about it much unless I'm in a real uh, 
positive platform or it's a lot of attention to the cause mm-hmm. and we can really uh, expound on these ideas though we can laugh and joke and off but I, I do not want to give the impression to all men that you should just get multiple women I don't they wouldn't know what to do with them. They don't. They don't. They wouldn't know what to do with them yeah. at, at, at all. So, do you have children with all four? I don't have ones? children with all four. Okay. I'm caught in two two women right now. So that'd probably be six. Wait in total. To, to add. Okay, you're adding wait, two more. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. So let's back up. So there's four wives there's that four you wives. live with. Oh yeah, but now they live in your house. Yeah, we live in the house. But then since but everybody our has la- their own home. Okay, but since our last conversation, you have two additional that. Yep. Well, they existed. The last conversation as well. Oh, it's they not, did. It didn't happen between the last two. And so, what what is their position then? Are they just you're courting them? So, does that mean you're filling it out to see if they yeah, fit it's, with it's, the group? It's a trial. If, if the sisters feel comfortable with them, we see the work ethic, we see their contributions, participation, energy. Because like I said, can't bring somebody new into the house with children involved. I mess around and be with the newest women and lose the people I built strong relationships with. In addition to the children that have to be affected by it. So, have you been sexually involved with those two women? Nah. I but do when do you decide when that happens? When they become a part when, of the when the women decide that it's all right. So you let them decide. Yeah, they they pick the women. I mean, I have wow. to say, but they're going to pick who's going to come in. I'm not going to have the final say. I'm so, I'm trying to wrap my mind. This so, is this is I'm, a I'm big, try, big. Listen, I'm trying to learn. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, you're trying to wrap your mind around. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to understand. It. Okay, so the they go. It. They go and recruit the women and come to you and say, "What do they call you, honey?" Yeah, Baby, I mean, polite, light, light, okay, light, mm-hmm. light. I got two people that we think would be great for our team, and you fill them out. And then, what is the vetting process? Uh, semi, something like that. Like you know, I, even if I have, I find a particular interest in the sister, I can't come around and say, "Yeah, I'm thinking about her being my wife." Because then the question would be, "How long was this taking place?" Mm. Because they've been around me long enough to know how I think and how I operate. So if I just came in today and said, "Yo, I think she wifey material." they would have to conclude that I must have been dealing with her for an extended period of time because I've never taken in a wife, you know, without knowing her for almost a year. So the concept of cheating actually applies inside your relationship? Absolutely. If you tell a lie, you're cheating. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, oh, okay. And, and this is what yeah. I was just going to yeah, say. True. Emotionally. Emotionally. Right. Emotionally. No, I'm, I'm committed to Okay. Them. I have emotionally contracts cheating. with each, well, each one of them. Okay. Wives. This is what I was going to yeah. say. This is what I was going to say. You have just listening to you. You have to be very conscious to be a part of this experience, right? Uh, like meaning, you have to be able to know deeply the person that you're with and the people that you're are a part of this. Yeah, you, you know, um, you have to go into a, a mild form of isolation. Now, I guess that's where the hypnotism takes place. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this has to be the norm. Like for my daughter, my aunt, you know, it. She was kind of like confused when she saw a black woman with straight hair. Because mm-hmm. I had moved away. I moved to the Poconos with his turkeys and bears climbing in the tree. <laughs> I was living in New York. And then I was commuting from PA to New York when mm-hmm. I moved out there and started buying homes. And so we kept our children kind of isolated. We did homeschooling. You know, the women have different children. We let the children all grow with each other. Mm-hmm. And so all they knew was women with afros and locks, mm-hmm. right? Particularly my daughter, my aunt. Mm-hmm. So she, we didn't know until she really started... Uh, communicating more that she thought it was weird when she saw black women any other way because everyone in the house had their natural hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the same fashion with polygyny, it has to be real. It, it can't be, you know, the rest of the world will say you're confused and you're hypnotized. So then what do you do? You you cut off the rest of the world so we could find each other first. 
So when you go out into the world, you have the mental fortitude to stand on the conviction that is your relationship. Because right. very often, the people giving you the advice for relationships are people who are failing at them. True that. That's true. I can't tell you how many relation, how much relationship. We call them I Pams. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, where do you go to get polygyny counseling if no one else is polygynous? So how could they? I mean, people can always give you good advice. Mm-hmm. Even, even people who may not presently be in a situation will never omit that. But we, we understand it would be right. best if we can get the advice from people kind of basking in the same experiences. And that's not the case. So this requires some form of isolation for an extended period of time to get to know the people that you'll be interacting with so the situation feels real. How, you do, you, how, how, do, you describe the, how do you describe the situation to your children? Oh, I mean, they all have several mothers. And the women refer to each other as sister wives. Mm. Mm. So, sister wives. So wait, what does wife number one's kid with you call wife number two, three, and four? Oh, mom. They're all mom. They're all moms. All mom. Okay, so your daughter grows up, beautiful woman, and she wants to enter into a polygamous relationship. And you're you would be fine with that. How would you feel about that? I would feel good if it's a man living to the standard based on how I teach my children. Mm. You know, um, I'm doing my best to be the example that they look for in a male. So uh, he has a lot to compete with. You know, he may not be able to meet my criteria, but hopefully he meets her criteria. It's her decision, what she chooses to do. I'm going to support them no matter what they choose to do. Um, They're always going to get my support. but if they want me to contribute to their relationship, the way I understand relationships, it, they would have to make subscriptions to the same type of disposition I have. In other words, the brother, my children understand from my oldest daughter to the youngest, to the best of our ability, that if a man wants to get in a relationship with you, he has to have some kind of gift to come into the relationship with that mm-hmm. represents his ability to take care of you uh, should you decide to separate. Because you're going to invest time, energy, and money into this black man. Presumably, he's black. And um, should y'all break up, you don't want to deal with the drain of having absolutely nothing. Not enough friends that you cut off because you was building a relationship with him. Not enough sisters to uh, give you the compassion that you need because you were spending all the time to him. Not enough money because you kind of became an economic slave to him. So, no, we're not doing that. He has to already have something going for him. If he has absolutely nothing going for him but his looks... Hmm. Then we will not support that situation. Yes, I'm out. <laughs> so, all, so all the sister wives are black women. All black women. Okay, so you would not you you would not be interested in say maybe courting I don't know an Egyptian woman. She's she's well, African. Egyptian's still a black woman. That's a white what, woman. I know. I know. A white no, woman. No, I I think I know the answer to that question. That's why I was going to ask. We don't know. It. We don't know. Oh, white uh, woman. I, I would tell you this, and or it's la- interesting. Or Latina. You, it's interesting. You a mentioned. woke white woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm, I'm very big into identity, and I feel like we've been raped for so many years. We've got to do our best to tie back into our own vine. So I don't knock interracial couples. Mm-hmm. I would only knock them if they was part of my family. Okay. Everybody else has the right to do what they want to do in their world. Uh, me personally, I'm on a mission mm-hmm. to reestablish greatness and glory in our race again mm-hmm. for those who don't b- believe that we can accomplish it. And so one of the most important things that I could do right now is make sure that I keep contributing to the gene pool of mm-hmm. people that are purportedly of my race. 
Because okay. I understand somebody can be pitch black and probably 60% white for the most right. part. We mm-hmm. understand that. Mm-hmm. But we just do the best that we can do. <laughs> You know, so I'm going to do the best that we can do. And I just wanted to say consequently that Kodak Black has a rape charge from a white woman. He don't like non, he don't like dark skinned women. Mm-hmm. I so think we should also address the white woman that's taking him out for rape. So when you heard Thank that, com- you. when you heard those comments and him saying what he said, do you think, what did you, what did, what did, what was your reaction? It broke my heart. I got love for the young brother. I got love for any brother, especially that has come out of poverty. And has potential to do great and be an influence to our people. He's entitled to whatever decisions that he makes. But it breaks my heart to see someone as dark as him speak so condescendingly about people of his own race. Because that includes his mother. Mm. It's a fact. It includes mothers in general. includes sisters. You feel me? Whether it be biological or not. You know, there's there's a disconnect going on. And that's why mentorship is so very important in the celebrity black community. Because our brothers and sisters get rich, I, I like to say prematurely, based on what education they have when they come into the money, mm-hmm. a lot of them become rich prematurely. Mm-hmm. Right? And so they, they skipped out on some of the cultural tenets that they need to fortify their community. A lot of times it doesn't even seem like they're even interested in any level of mentorship. There's the, no the, sense level of fu- the level of <laughs> arrogance is like ridiculous. It's just like, oh, old head, go sit the fuck down type oh, shit. Man. That's what it you looks know what I'm saying? Like. It's frustrating, you know, because you do want to, when somebody's new <clears> and they're hot and, you know, they've got, you know, some modicum of talent, you, you want to root for them. I do. After yeah. that diatribe he went off on, I'm sorry, and as a black, I'm not rooting for him. And if and if you see it, it's kind of consistent with this new generation of mm-hmm. rappers. You know, they make me feel like I'm 50 mm. because there's a lot of brothers who are sharing very strong, outlandish type of comments about black women, mm-hmm. and it's it's like you have no problem with white men. Like I don't hear it in your lyrics. Like yeah. you well, know, like uh, the ones that's choking us out, killing us, right. or shooting our youth. Like you have no comments about them whatsoever but the black woman is the at the top of the chain of your criticism not just criticism it's 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 ire it is vicious vicious hatred you can it's jason it's visceral well let me say (laughs) let me say i've been very critical in our last few shows about the black about black people mm-hmm. and I'll be honest with you and mm-hmm. this isn't coming I'm, from I'm a, super critical of them yeah, this isn't coming from a place of being half breed uh, half Italian or because I identify as black everything mm-hmm. I believe in I think of it from the black perspective because people don't look at me and go oh some people may say oh he's Spanish but either way I'm not white so I ain't y'all I know I'm I'm in the other category mm-hmm. but I feel like and I draw a lot of comparisons back to slavery because when you look at behavior it ain't something that you just that it's not just that that generational experience like you had talked about. Black people, I feel, are the most jealous of other black people. I feel like we're the most critical of other black people. I, I feel agree. like we are the le- less in- exclu- inclusive of each other as black people. And I say, well, shit, in business right now, like I have, I have a, a, a few million dollar deals on the table, all from white people, all of them that see my vision, all believe in it. And then I'm looking like, okay, well, even though one of my partners is, Floyd Mayweather, and he's a black guy. And one of our new partners is Queen Latifah. She's mm-hmm. a black woman. Mm-hmm. I've known her for 25 years. She's seen the journey. I've known Floyd for three years, and he's been there from almost day one. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like now that I'm walking around and the show's popping and things are happening, I get the, oh, man, I've always believed in you. No, you did <laughs> not. I dig it. What is that? And then, and then, and then the other thing I want to ask is your opinion on the whole Bill Cosby scandal because black people ripped him apart before he was ASAP. even given a day in court. Uh-huh. And that was like... 
that was our father growing up he on television was. and the embodiment mm-hmm. of what the black family's potential could be. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts first on just the black community and how we're not as inclusive of each Crabs other? Crabs in a bucket. Yeah. Basically yeah. the mentality. I, I, again, coming from slavery, mm-hmm. not used to having nothing. And so when a group of people are not used to having nothing, they tend to blame their problems on the people who share in the same experience. Mm. You know, uh, it's a Stockholm syndrome, as they would say. You know, someone can abuse you so much you fall in love with the abuser. Mm-hmm. You misappropriate the blame. Mm-hmm. We see it with women suffering from domestic violence. They start to contemplate that maybe it's something they're not doing right. That's how abused they are. Mm-hmm. They start thinking, I must be doing something wrong to have to endure this type of abuse. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So it's the same thing from our people who had little resources, very limited resources. And over time, they would conceive that they are the ones that are responsible for the problem, their brother and their sister, and never see the bigger picture. And now it's very opaque or, or blurred. You know, it's real ambiguous right now when we come into this day and time because we almost appear free. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to see anyone kind of playing puppeteer in the background. You know, we would actually have to start thinking, this is all us. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I'm don't. i very big into us holding ourselves accountable when I'm talking to responsible black people. When I'm talking to less than responsible black people, well, talking about less than responsible black people, point the finger and blame those motherfuckers. That's how I feel. But if I'm talking to same people, I'm like, fam, you got to hold yourself accountable. Because I expect that of you because you're brilliant. I was expected of the sister just listen to her talk. I would say, hold yourself accountable, sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't give you the pass to pass the buck. But then there's some other people there. I'm like, you were just victimized from the situation. Blame the white man and call the day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you got to come into a certain level of consciousness before I can start holding you more accountable because you are lacking in knowledge, lacking in experience, lacking mm-hmm. in education, lacking in the mother, lacking in the father. Mm-hmm. You're lacking in so much. You are just part of the victimization of our people. You have every right to point the finger. It's hell for you right now. Mm-hmm. I went through that era of pointing the finger and I was right when I was pointing the finger. I came into my consciousness and I'm right for now holding myself accountable. It just is a matter of disposition and knowledge. <laughs> you know, right, right, and right now I can't see me blaming another race for my situation. Mm. I'm just in a different space mentally. Right. I have, a, I have a, so much self-respect and, and so much uh, belief in my talents that I couldn't conceive blaming somebody for my hindrance nor sharing that blame with my children or right. my wives. So the reason why I can't come up, picture me telling my black woman that I can't come up because of the white man. <laughs> I can't do that. I might as well sell her into a relationship with him. I would never do it. Right. But now if I have nothing, <laughs> I maybe have so to you. point the figure. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm so the blame is for the weak and the right. impoverished. That you know? is a powerful statement. The blame is for the weak. Yeah, it's a fact. And right. that's why I say some people are so poor, all they have is money. Mm. Mm. That's message. Ha- message. Okay, so what do you think about Bill Cosby, like Jason was asking? I mean, because he really was everybody's dad. That's you know, him and the sweaters <laughs> and shit like that. You know, and just the whole notion of like the the, the strong family, you know, nuclear family unit, but mm-hmm. it being black. I mean, do you feel like it was a conspiracy against him? Uh, I, I say or if he, if he saves more than he rapes. No, I'm saying now let me stop. <laughs> well, no, but you know, but but it's, the that's, reason why it's a good that's question. That's this Dave Chappelle quote, just to put that there. Right. The reason why the reason why it's a good question is because Bill Cosby was actually one of the most critical of the black man. Yes, if you remember back in the day, from yeah, how he, he slipped, sagged yeah. his pants and this and that. Yeah, and I feel like you know there are some black people that once they do get accepted by the white world, they fucking forget you are that's still a, a black motherfucker. <laughs> Period. No, yeah. seriously. No, I know. Listen, when I sit at the table with these people now and. 
they're giving me my accolades and oh this and this and we're gonna make a billion and a million and this and that in my mind i am still a broke black boy from stockton california Mm. and i'm not too um i don't want to say critical but i'm not too cautious that i i sabotage the opportunities but i also know like there's a lot more here Mm -hmm. you know i'm the black entrepreneur you invested in Mm -hmm. i'm the example that you believe in the black man or the black business i get it i'm your i'm one of your quotas i get it not all the way all the time but most of the time and i'm but what what puzzles me is if i can walk into diddy's house and i can walk up to diddy puff daddy combs and i can say yo man i'm proud of you or this is amazing or this is i want to why can't i why can't i have the same respect and appreciation for I would love to work with you. I would love to be mentored by by you and actually get the real attention mm-hmm. a in this entertainment industry. But I just feel like, and I've I felt that I think we're hypocrites, and I think that sometimes when it comes to really supporting supporting each other, or fostering support of one another, that uh, for whatever reason we're just obsolete with our obligation to well, do that. That's what happens when you don't grow into wealth. It is an insecurity that transpires. You know, if, if you grew into wealth, this is a debt wealth society. So the only way to diffuse the momentum of debt wealth is through inherited wealth. So if you're dealing with a race of people who inherited wealth isn't as consistent as their reality, right. then you'll find this uh, this insecurity play out, mm-hmm. this reluctance to empower someone else because you still have this thing, this mental Rolodex in your mind that maybe your career will be over any given day or, you know, I'm still not, used to or acclimated to wealth nor did i grow into it like you know being given two million going like from little money to millions in a very short period of time yeah it's not going to condition you to say let me empower someone else it's the feast famine kind of mentality it's like a roller coaster you know and it's scary because if we look at wealth wealth begins at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. and everyone should be able to invest at least a third of their income which would be about 50 grand but most of us don't even make $50,000 a year. That's it. A family of four, poverty is at $32,000 a year for a family of four and $15,000 a year for an individual. Mm-hmm. So there's over $100,000 difference between where wealth begins and where poverty is at. Mm-hmm. And most of us are not at where the point of wealth is, nor are we in position to invest a third of our monies, nor if we study the standard importance of S&D, uh, S&P's index, we'll realize that, you know what, that there's this ratio of... 60,000 to 100,000 when it comes to money that means that the death of money by the time you get to your $100,000 pension it'll be worth $60,000 so we haven't been taught how to forecast money because we live in a world where from pre-k to 12th grade 14 years we carried the one we took regents exams we took the SAT math we never was given a credit class Mm. right and we never was given real estate class for 14 years so they're they're preparing us for the future but never taught us how it it works when it comes to having a home Mm. or when it comes to credit so it's a debt wealth society so this means what well if i want to go to school i gotta get into debt if i want a car i gotta get car note going to debt if i want to get a house i gotta go into debt it's a mortgage what is a mortgage well we look at the word mort means death engage means pledge or agreement so it's agreement to pay something until you die the average person that starts getting a house is going to be around 33 35 years old lifetime expectancy is 72 years old 30 year fixed rate mortgage that means by the time you're 65 you're on the cusp of death so you are going to be paying for something literally till you die but then at the same rate we understand what well at the same rate there's the subprimes 
And this is when they know they give loans to people that they cannot afford. They studied your mother's and history, your father's history, their history and spending, both of them collectively, your history, your zip code. They redline areas so they know who they're going to give credit to because they can't turn you down for credit based on your race. But they can see which race occupies which zip code so they can know how to turn you down by proxy. So they redline areas. So if you don't know enough to probably say, let me get a UPS box that counts as a residency to get my mail and set it up in an area where people are making $150,000 or more a year so I could be more likely to be approved a larger credit lines. No, I'm going to use my poverty zip code where I live in and I'm going to be rejected every time or get very lesser credit lines. Wow. So this information is not being shared in the community because again, you go 14 years of school and you get no credit. Matter of fact, food, clothing, and shelter. We might have had a home ec class, probably learned how to make some Fugazi pizza. Fine. <laughs> That's exactly you, what we made. Or some cake. <laughs> or some cake. You, now you leave, right? You leave. And I mean, communities plagued with diabetes, and we're using all the ingredients that's going to kill us. Fine. So now we leave school, don't know how to cook. We don't know how to crochet or sew, which is the, the clothing part, and we know nothing about real estate. But we went to school for life, but we didn't address food, clothing, and shelter. And not cool. once have I had to add or subtract a letter in my life. <laughs> That's a fact. Wait, hold on one sec. Did you I, just say add or subtract a letter? Yes. Algebra. Like I'm talking about algebra. Oh, okay, sorry. But let me Maybe say let me say it as I sit here and listen to you say this, and the audience is gonna be like, oh shit, he's crazy. So I've been a licensed real estate agent. So have I. I and I've yeah, yeah, and I've owned a credit repair company. Wow. So my experience <laughs> with everything you just said is 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 just like I'm sitting here amazed that you articulate the way that you did mm -hmm. the way i got into the credit repair company i'll tell you really fast this guy hits me up he wants to give me money I'm like mm -hmm. why do you want why do you want to give me money is i want to give you money how much money do you need for your company at the time i was in a relationship like how much money do we, we, we don't need no money for my company and my partner <laughs> says well tell him two hundred fifty thousand. just throw a number on so i go i need two hundred fifty thousand. he was like not a problem i'll give you thirty thousand dollars a month for eight months and you don't have to give me any equity in your company I go, well, what the hell for? What's the cash, <laughs> right. What's the cash, bro? Because I'm thinking, you know, I'm from Stockton, so yeah. the feds clearly have sent you to my Facebook. Something's going on. <laughs> so he comes over. He write, I go to his house, He write, his home office. He writes a check to me for $30,000. It clears. And he says, I said, so, okay, I know that this comes with something. This is a Russian right. guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And never met him before. Oh, mm -hmm. Russian guy. In Russian. Oh. And he says. Blood money. He said, well, I don't know if it probably could have been. But he said, all I want is your relationships. I uh. want your relationships. I said, okay, not a problem. I said, he says, I have a credit repair company. Uh -huh. I said, you have a credit repair company? Well, I mean, I don't know that my people will need your service, but I'll introduce them. Uh -huh. He says to me, I can repair credit in 30 days and delete everything off your credit, no matter what it is. Wow. This is the Russian guy. This is the Russian guy. How much was he charged? Hold on. So, so I said, well, you got to go through me. You got to do my credit first. So he eliminated all of my debt in 30 days. Do you still know this guy? Let me get into the story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he writes me this check, right? And mm -hmm. so... When he showed me that he could eliminate credit in 30 days, I was like, oh, you got me. So I brought in all of my relationships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, he helped me get into this big high rise downtown, fully furnished. <laughs> he came and delivered cars for us. He brought me a BMW, brought my partners, Lexuses. So now we have all these nice cars. We have this nice place. And we're bringing people in and we're selling them on credit repair through his company. Mm -hmm. I still didn't understand how he was doing it and all the details of credit and how credit worked. But when I went to Hawaii and found out I was getting fucked over by him, I actually started my own credit repair company because I had learned everything. I had sent my analysts in to get the company. But So we launched our own credit repair mm -hmm. company. It was like, God, you're giving people 
the freedom mm-hmm. to get in better houses, mm-hmm. better cars, better jobs. And I learned very quickly how racism and classism are embedded in our credit system. You can only live in certain areas based on certain credit and you can only work in certain areas based on credit because the really, really good high power jobs outside of being your own boss run a credit, uh, run a, um, uh, what is that called? A background check mm-hmm. that includes a credit screening. Mm-hmm. Credit is probably the one most single-handed racist classes systems in our country, in our world, and people don't even know. So subtle. And so how do people how do people become educated on the power of having proper credit um, and how that gives them the power and the control over their lives? Uh, it's, a, it's a social nuance. Like even applying for jobs and people pride themselves in, look, I'm not lazy. I'm out here trying to get these jobs. I filled out 30 applications. You might have had your credit checked. Probably 25 times And then knocked it down You just killed yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what I'm saying So you have to have A conversation with them Or I just got this credit card I'm approved for $5,000 You know I only use 3000 But mm-hmm. most times Especially when you're coming up You don't want to spend More than 15% Of mm-hmm. the 5000 That they give you mm-hmm. You feel me So you don't want to spend More than $750 And you may say I only could spend 750 Out of 5000 mm-hmm. Well you know what they give you cars that do 120. You only can do 75 miles tops. Mm. The temptation is always going to be there for you to break the law or hurt yourself. Oh, yeah. That's what it's designed to do. Online shopping gets <laughs> no, me every single he, time. But he taught me, he said, you're going to get this credit card with mm-hmm. a $5,000 limit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only thing you're going to do is pay the bills that you, online that mm-hmm. you would pay in cash. Mm-hmm. So your rent, your car note, your mm-hmm. phone. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of stuff. Get a, don't pay for get get get, get a gas card. They make payments on your gas. That's right. So he's showing me, and then I, you know, for us, we go out and whatever we could get approved, we're gonna get it and max it out. Mm-hmm. Max it. <laughs> Macy's we're gonna, card. We're gonna think we're gonna leave a little space, and eventually, then the real bills come, and then you maxed out. Mm. You know, and then also having two credit cards when you start off, and and asking that you can get a balance transfer option. Mm-hmm. So if you go over the ideal amount that you're looking to not spend over, mm-hmm. the excess amount you transfer over to the second credit card. Mm-hmm. And then in that, it just shows intelligent consumerism. And they'll give you credit for that. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? So having a balance transfer option, not exceeding more than two cards when you're coming up, never spending more than 15% on one card, uh, getting addresses that correspond with people where wealth is yep. or grows, you know, addresses are very pivotal because like I said, they have the redlining mm. thing that they do that puts us in a jam right. where you can be um, disapproved of credit, you right. know? So so people can find things. people can find all this information out on your website, right? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I got books on it as well. I've been like stalking your website <laughs> and I, I, we, I, we don't have, you know, we're, we're not able, able to do this, but like I really wanted to have like a conversation about health because you're a fan of Dr. Sebi, right? Yeah, he taught me. He, he cured me of diabetes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Like he's, he's so the audience missed. that don't know who that is. Oh, Dr. Sabi is um, from Honduras. Is that, that was where he was from. Yeah. He, he was locked up in about 1984 mm-hmm. for saying that he had the cure for diseases. That like AIDS. Were uncurable. This is the guy yes. that died. Yes. Just <laughs> recently. They said, well, they said he was killed. The rumor Mexico, is yeah. that he was killed because he had the cure to, for- or he knew where the cure to AIDS was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, there was some I, I, I know that Magic Johnson knows where it is. <laughs> That's a fact. Zamunda. 
<laughs> and so what were you going to ask about him? No, I mean, it's his, his, his website. I'm basically just telling everybody if you want to know more, because oh, yeah. you are a fascinating person to listen to. Like we can, you're rendering Jason silent and that's yeah. impossible to fucking do. Um, well, because on our show, there's a lot of antics and a lot of craziness, but yeah. I feel like there are times when we do have education. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and your, web, your website is really, really dope because you talk a lot about you. Your books are available for sale. You talk about health. You talk about financial literacy. I that's mean, right. If anybody is looking to war, to you know to wanting to know a little bit more past the polygamy, you know, and know more about you and just your entire movement, then this is where they should go. Yeah, I am Brother Polite, mm-hmm. or you could download the Brother Polite app. P O L I G H T is how it's spelled. Damn, my okay. brother got an app. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Oh, and lastly, lastly, I don't know if we we're close, but last time you were here, you you talked about you uh, create your own language. Yeah. Now I, that really fascinated me. Now, what's this language, and does your 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 wives know the language as of well? Of course, it's Induasusu. In the Induasusu, it means living language. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I felt it suffice to have our own language is because I feel that one of the most immediate things that the slave master did to dethrone us or take us away from our stature and our glory, one of the main things that was prerequisite to making a slave was to strip them of their language mm. and then strip them of the name that's consistent with their language mm-hmm. and even make examples out of people that chose to communicate or transmit their thoughts amongst each other from within the confines of their language. It's very big to make sure we didn't have that because language precipitates identity. And therefore, <sighs> when we now come into the know and we realize certain things that took place historically, I always say, Dang, why didn't we restore the language? or at least resurrect a new one where Mm -hmm. people can't dictate to us what the rules are Mm -hmm. and tell us that we're pronouncing things the wrong way or saying things the wrong way. And I feel a big part of us coming into our own is our sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And you can't have true sovereignty if you don't even control your language. In fact, language alludes to who colonized you. So we see a lot of Spanish in the language or we see a lot of French in the language or a lot of German in language. And we know what point in history your family was impacted based on the words that you use. So... I wanted to have a language that designates a point in time where our people were coming into the know. Mm-hmm. And we started saying to ourselves, we want to take back control of our culture. And one of the first things we will do to take back control of our culture would be the, one of the first things the slave master did to take it away, which is for us to be able to communicate amongst each other privately and exclusively. Where if you wanted to read our material, you have to come study under us and have the patience to even be able to go through a page or two. Oh, I this language. is very important. Of the language, and, and how long? Like, how do you even come up with starting to make up your own language? Like, uh, just the excitement from learning. Once you once you realize how unconscious you've been for an extended period of time, when you start coming into the know, you're just excited. You have yeah. this zeal to read more and uh, study more, watch lectures. You know, it, it happens. If we gave ourselves the opportunity to study, we eventually will come into the know. When, when I had the diabetes problem. And I had gangrene and it was going to cut my foot off. You know, when the process was reversed and I got the coloration back in my toe and it didn't have to cut my leg off. When all that took place, I had this zeal to study. And keep in mind, things took place in my life that on account of the summation of experiences that I've had to endure. When I came into the know, I realized I could have probably detoured that route that I had to go through in life. So with my, for instance, my father left at age eight. And my mother died the week I met her when I turned 17 from cancer mm-hmm. and diabetes. So I didn't have the knowledge. But then I wound up having diabetes. Mm. 
And I mean, diabetes took out a lot of people in my family. So when I come into the knowledge and then I get cured, I then reflect back and say, dang, if I had this information a few years back, maybe my moms would have been receptive. I only had seven days before my -hmm. whole life. You feel what I'm saying? So, and I lost her, not to racism, but to disease. Like I lost most of the members of my family. So that's why I got into health. And then my grandmother who took care of us, her house was foreclosed and she wound up going into a nursing home because when the house got taken, her mind was taken along with it. She, mm. she slaved for that house. She worked for a phone company at the time. It was called Ninex. Um, I think they turned it over that. to AT&T or something. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, she, she mm-hmm. worked there like 40 years. Yeah. You know, and um, she lost the house. So that gave me incentive to study real estate later on. I probably, I didn't realize it then, but I didn't know how to remedy a real estate issue. But later right. on when I got conscious, I'm like, yo, I could have probably helped my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So with my mom dying, I could have helped her with health. My grandmother losing the house, I could have helped her real estate. Right. So I just kept studying. The zeal to study, of course, I always a credit to my wife because she's the one that got me to read books when I came home That's from right. prison. And um, I never stopped reading since. Please holler at Kodak Black. He needs you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Salute he needs to the you. brother, man. He, I just think he needs help. Well, I think he, he needs love. to take Black out his name at this point. Uh, <laughs> Kodak <laughs> fucked up. He might need a helmet. <laughs> okay, listen, we ran out of time. <laughs> yes. Okay, Dang. so we always get educated. No, okay. you, we're going to definitely um, <laughs> keep reaching out when we need to be enlightened on things that we are uh, that we need to um, that we need to know about. The one thing I will ask on the way out: What is your thoughts on? the conflict with some that some people have in the black community with black lives matter and all the mass shootings in the black community. Okay. I know that's a big topic to lead on, leave on, but what are your thoughts about that? Oh, cool. Uh, and I just want to say with the bill Cosby thing, I supported him from day one because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't readily throw my leaders under the bus. Mm-hmm. I don't give a damn if they was right or wrong. They got to be judged for a jury of black people. I'm not going to have a person with a history of raping, robbing, pillaging and castrating our people dictate what the narrative is going to be about someone that we highly revered. You're always going to have the benefit of the doubt first and foremost. But look how look how they were able to sway so many minds to forget about all of that <laughs> and forget all of the fact that he was trying to buy NBC and all the you know people that probably didn't want Amanda mm-hmm. own NBC. Mm-hmm. Um, but, about that. but it was so crazy about how many black people were critical of him that were that were critical of him, critical of Keisha Knight pulling in for standing behind him. Mm-hmm. And they don't, you know, have, they don't they, have a sense of culture. And just, to, and just to talk about the optics of it all, most of the accusers were white women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just throwing it. I'm just throwing it out Real there. Talk, yeah. but it's, it's a lack of a sense of culture, and that's what I teach in my community about common customs. Common customs, the calculus system that precipitates culture by process of differentiation, integration. We're able to find the value of smaller things and factorials of those equivalents, thus granting us the least adverse effects from the decisions that we make. Basically, your predecessors, your older generation, is supposed to see what works, what doesn't work, and what combinations they work, and then devise a plan to protect you from your own ignorance so you don't have to make the same mistakes that they made in the past. And they do this through advanced metrics. Once they get to the advanced part, but first you cancel out the things that's very simple. If we were to take it there, we would understand that everybody else has this thing where they say it's not incumbent for us to divorce publicly. So when you see Hillary Clinton being cheated on by Bill Clinton, I swear they would put a bullet in her head if she would have divorced him. Because mm-hmm. she would have destroyed the image of white America. Mm-hmm. And they can't afford to have that image of white America destroyed. So, look, you're going to stay in that relationship now, despite his adultery. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? But us, we lack the sense Take of culture because we lack the sense of power. Because with power comes culture. Because mm-hmm. when you have power, you strive to sustain the power for generation after generation. So, we are lacking the concept of power. We are lacking the concept of culture. We're lacking the concept of culture. We have no allegiance to each other. So, the second someone says, throw him under the bus. 
it's a free for all for all our people in our race because they don't realize how mm. they're setting themselves back and mm. setting themselves up for future progress. Because when we take down people like Bill Cosby and we take down a Michael Jackson who wanted to, who was controlling the publishings and buying out other people's publishings, mm -hmm. people don't know about the business endeavors of a Tupac, of a Michael Jackson, of a Bill Cosby that may have created the ensuing threat mm -hmm. that was created by government and other people in power. They don't know about the business mm -hmm. aspect and the impact that their business endeavors would have had on the future generation if they were able to see it through. Mm. Right. <laughs> you feel what I'm right. saying? Mm. When Michael was like, Sony is devils. Mm. People wasn't going into the, the knowledge. Like, yo, this man was owning the Beatles music and everything. The yeah. people was pissed Masters. off. Yeah. He was buying everybody's stuff. Mm -hmm. We're the ones who's not supposed to own nothing. Now yeah. this black man is over here owning all their stuff. Mm -hmm. How did we they fall asleep? Like they got caught slipping. They got caught slipping. Yeah. This black man's about the, you're going to have to go to him to get your white uh, greatest works. Mm -hmm. They got caught slipping. Bill Cosby over, you trying to own a network. NBC at that. They said, no, no, no. You already know. Like, mm -hmm. people got to understand, there's no coincidence. Mm -hmm. When this campaign starts, the first thing you got to do is start looking. Even with Floyd, every time he has a big fight. Yo, let's bring up a rape charge. Let's bring up they a, bring he up can't read. Let's bring well, up, they bring up domestic violence. Domestic yeah. violence. Mm -hmm. This is what they do. But it's, you know, you it's know, clear I, I, someone is trying to stop something. I told Floyd I was <laughs> you know so I told Floyd I was so angry. There was a I've interviewed him here for five hours. We mm -hmm. did. Yeah. The three of us did. Mm -hmm. And we talked about all the women he's with. We talked about his friend committing suicide on the phone with him. We talked <clears> about uh, domestic violence, the relationship with his children. We talked about his box of careers, parents being poor, being rich. It was a great interview that people really loved and said it's mm -hmm. probably the best he's had. Mm -hmm. He went on ESPN, he was promoting something, and the black woman on the show said, I gotta ask you a question. Great interview. Everything was going fine. I, I gotta ask you. That. And he's like, ask me. He was like, um, she so she brought up domestic violence. You know, you were in jail. Now this was so long ago. Not to say that it was wrong. Like yeah, yeah. Okay, we've talked about this so much now. Why do you throw this out there now? He said, you know, when I came on this show or I was coming to the show, the publicist told me, my publicist told me that you were going to ask me this question. I told her, let her ask anything she wants because I, like everybody, have made mistakes. I've owned my mistakes, mm -hmm. but I don't know you and your relationships and I don't know who's in your house. That's a fact. But, I, but, I, but, I, but, I, but what I wish people would have is just a deeper connection to like, Things that aren't conspiracies is just real life this shit. Is a fact. Mm -hmm. This shit right. gets thrown. Hey, congratulations on your star in Hollywood. But about the time that you beat your wife, yes. it is a way. Yo, of, you know it, it's a way of reminding people that yeah, you're still, yo. even though you getting these little cherries on top of your Sunday, you still ain't shit. We're we not mm -hmm. gonna allow you to be great before your own people. That's mm -hmm. why I pray for Mayweather every day. The other day, someone had an interview with me and asked, "Who do you pray for? And what do and what do you pray about?" I'm like, oh, "I pray for black greatness." Because it's a threat to the rest of the world, apparently. I mm. pray for Serena Williams. I pray for Puff Daddy. I pray hard for Floyd Mayweather. And people are like, you, you pray. You pray to men. You pray to. I pray to them and I pray for them every day. Because they motivate me to greatness. They, they don't do what I do. I don't do what they do. But they motivate me because I know it wasn't a work overnight. It's a work in right. progress. And it's still evolving to this day. I pray for them because they motivate people to change. Mm -hmm. They motivate people to become greater. Yeah. They, they defy the laws and the rules. Oh, the fight is only make hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just about money. Mm -hmm. I'm praying he breaks records again. I hope he makes half a billion. Were you paying attention to Colin Kaepernick's um, activism throughout the... Yeah. So he's basically said goodbye to the NFL. He's, he's basically said, I'm not going to be a part of an organization no that like strives to keep their like foot on the neck of black men That's and right. can't get behind you know his motivation for doing what he did. 
uh, that's that's major. That's, that's definitely major. I pray for him too that mm-hmm. he doesn't get caught up with too many uh, broke black people who motivate him. Well, because yeah. he definitely still because got they ain't gonna be right. there for him when they take right. him down. Yeah, right. and 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 I've always believed that. Like, but I, I change, love him. Change, yeah. change doesn't come from the outside of any struggle. Like, mm-hmm. change comes from the inside. So walking yeah. away from it doesn't make you any stronger of a position to fight it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when I was leading the union, <laughs> I would tell people all the time, "You quit your job because you have a bad boss. Guess what? There's still going to be a bad boss. Yeah. But if you stay there and you fight, that's right, the right way and the smart way, you can't affect change one person at a time. Or, or you, or you show them." Yeah. How you suffer to deal with it day to day, so it can wake people's wake wake people up, and maybe the generation to come can create the change that you wasn't in position to create because the word had to be propagated; mm. it had to be exploited. But like I said, I'm, I'm praying for that brother Kaepernick, and okay, he did what a lot of poor black people would say do: we should walk away yeah. from the NFL and walk away from the money. I think now that, he did it. Yeah. So I hope they all support him. Yeah. When they well, come for them or if things get shaky, well, because we, we ask everyone to stop making the money or stop being in a position of making all the money because of the compromise that it may bring. But where are we at well, I was after a, that point? Mm-hmm. And, and not to mention, we just had the BET Awards and there was no mention or honor. Yeah. Just the cop. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> before we leave. Oh, I'm woke. Um, before we leave uh, really quick on the all lives matter black lives matter and the conflict people have with we're killing each other so how can we have a double standard what are your thoughts on that Uh, i don't think this is a double standard i think both conversations have to stay on the table i understand when you say black lives matter and someone turns around well black people kill each other too Uh, white people kill each other too every race kills themselves within their own community they're the first targets because they live with each other. So mm. I don't, I don't want to hear the black on black idea. Because we never said Chinese on Chinese. And it exists. Mm. We don't say Italian on Italian. It exists. Mm-hmm. Everybody bangs on each other in their community first and foremost. Because that's the first person accessible to them. You steal, you rob, you rape amongst yourselves. And then when you start getting more gangster, you take it to the next community. Mm. So I'm, a, I'm against that whole thing. We have the right to address the fact that something's fishy about black people killing black people. We always should discuss that. But when we're talking about other people killing black people, don't no one else have license to kill black people because they see black people have problems with each other. That's not real. Because then we should have license to kill other people when we find that they're having problems with each other. Because when I see firemen and police policemen having beef with each other or correction officers having beef with policemen and policemen having beef with fire department people, and most of those people are white, mm. does it give us license to kill them? Mm-mm. You see what I'm saying? No, you... You are not licensed to exploit or kill other people because they're having problems amongst themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just foolishness. And, and first of all, you can't even understand. Like, I always crack jokes, but I'm really serious about how I'm never going back to the hood. I really mean that. Oh, no, join the club. I will go back to help, but I'm not going back to live because I worked my way to equality mm-hmm. and I'm going to stay there. Now, mm-hmm. I know my responsibility of helping and providing uh, and can, my sure. platform to, to address those issues. But I'm, I went to church way south i think in inglewood and i'm driving through inglewood and i'm my friends in the car from out of town i'm like liquor store liquor store liquor store liquor store Mm. in every community now i live in hollywood Mm -hmm. there's probably one or two carved away but Mm -hmm. they ain't on every side on every corner Starbucks. and and i really feel like if you if we had megan james here recently and she was talking about how reality tv are putting you in a house with no phones and no electronics was like a rat experiment experiment if you think about how with credit 
and communities designated for you to be in. And mm-hmm. there's a liquor store in every corner. There's it's a a, a, a community where there aren't a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. You're going to have a lot store. of crime. Yeah. Stockton right now, where I'm from, no jobs, city's bankrupt. Uh, they're down 100 police officers. I mean, you have no, nothing. So if people don't have jobs and they don't have a place to stay and they need to eat, okay. what do they do? Sit down and wait to die or do they go and get it? That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I support gentrification. But I just have my perspective. Because if people are not using resources or education to further uplift their community, it, everyone has the right to do something with it because people think gentrification works only one way. Black people get affected. We could gentrify other people's communities. And in fact, I would suggest we invest in other people's communities that are more prosperous than our very own because the real estate market is horrible in the hood. Mm. But you see, people say buy back the block, but they don't teach nothing about amelioration and restitution of properties. They don't teach nothing about the adverse effects of a warranty deed or a tenancy deed. They, we just say buy back the block. We just need the money. No, it don't work like that. Real communities, when they need to set up institutions, when they need to set up hospitals, they create community endowment funds, and a percentage of it is allocated towards real estate revenue so it can perpetuate itself from one generation to the next. When people are really talking about game planning, you have to come with a PPM or a private placement memorandum. You have to come with a projection. You have to come with some kind of summary of how you think this is going to take place and what we look like six months to a year, year to two years, two years, three out, and so forth and so on. But the concept of just buy back the block is is nice. It's the new kumbaya. But I'm, I be saying, let's buy back their block because their block worth more than our block. Let's gentrify other communities. They come into ours. We could go into theirs. We can get nicer ones. People say, but white people ain't going to sell it to you. I don't know too much businessmen that don't that turn down money. Right. Mm. You know, this is coming from black people who don't have experience. Yeah, and this doing is bigger deals. everything got a price. And that's the thing again, yeah, uh, you right. know, again, one thing that I've learned. So I told Floyd, I said, Yeah, I'm getting ready to close this three million dollar deal. He said, You give me a million, I'm gonna put it away. I'm gonna put it into real estate uh with me and my guys, and you can make ten thousand dollars for the rest of your life. And I'm going, Okay, well, ten thousand dollars a month for the mm. rest of your life. And I'm thinking, well, it's gonna take eight years to pay it back. Why well, I plan to live longer than eight years, and you always wanna have that thing where you have a solid, you know, a solid deal. Of course we gotta work out the numbers, I think I should get twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> but um, because he probably took ten off the top. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean I think it's just like that kind of thing where like he's put a hundred million dollars into real estate uh with his guys, his billionaire guys, and being able to see how he set it up to you know, make $2 million a month for the rest of his life to set up that money. Even if, okay, I burned through all my hundreds of millions, at least with all of my assets paid off with lifetime medical for me and my children, I mm-hmm. still have $2 million a month Talk it. to be able to have my lifestyle be okay. Mm. So I, I wish we had more why of that not? for our community. Yeah. You know why not? And that's why I teach on insurance policies and being able to borrow against your insurance policy, like whole life insurance instead of them, Garbage policies or yeah. group universal. Termed. Why? Yeah. Because you can use it. You can borrow against the policy for real estate or for medical expenses. You don't have to die to receive the benefit. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. So it's those conversations, two people die, that's non-black, that's parents, and that child inherits a million dollars, probably half a million from both parents, whatever the case is. Two black children die, they don't inherit nothing. Mm. There's no policy. And then something as simple as paying $150 a month can secure the bag for 250 grand if the parent dies. Mm. And us knowing as black men, we're vulnerable and susceptible to death by racism in variant forms, whether it's by the food, whether it's through the fratricidal war we go through, or whether it's through in prison, incarceration, or police brutality. We're likely to die quicker than everyone in the black family as black men. 
Understanding that we should get these policies. So at least when we go, they gonna, there's a 250 grand check. I bet you that would slow down some of the momentum. At least they'll keep us alive and we suffer alive. But killing black men would come as a rarity if they knew for every black man that was being killed, a half million was being given to his child. Yeah. I guarantee you All that. you got to do, though, is make sure that they don't add a clause in there. You already know. Yeah. Because that, that will come and it will be the finest print you've ever seen in your life. You already know. But yes. I mean, there's just too many of us dying and, and nothing coming in, at the exchange of the death. Be, all because of a lack of information. Yeah. Yep. We could legit talk to you all freaking day, but they're kicking us out the building. Yeah, like, no. seriously. No, and we appreciate you coming back and giving us two full hours and some yes. change of knowledge. Change. And we'll definitely have you back for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. let's do one not bring my wives. Yeah, next exactly. time next time we got to bring the whole... Let's bring the we, whole we family in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, if, and by, by then you might be at six. Yes, yeah, I hope so. I to talk to Boss Lee. <laughs> she don't play. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thank you for coming and we're out. God bless right. you. Bye, Peace. everybody. Peace.